Welcome to this special podcast series, Digital Titans, brought to you by Vita Mojo and Hospitality Mavericks. I'm Amy from Vita Mojo, and I'm excited to take you on this journey as we explore the digital transformation of the hospitality industry. During this series, you'll hear from industry leaders from the likes of Leon, the Azura Group, and Amazon. We'll talk through how they transform their business with digital solutions while meeting the changing needs of the market. Over to Michael and this week's guests. I think the tip is there hire young people or hire people with seasoned experience from different sectors that are digital. Hire people from e-commerce, from retail, from transportation, from Uber. Bring people from other industries that are digital to work for your business because they'll change it. It's so infectious. Or hire young people that have not seen uh, the old way of doing things. This is Nick Popovici, CEO and co-founder of Vitamojo. And this is the third time I'm talking with Nick about digital transformation since we met the first time in 2019. And today we're catching up to make status. And we dive into his view on how technology adoption have developed over the last two years and where the gaps are. And Nick makes it clear that the industry is moving fast, but it's still early days and there's so much that still can be done when it comes to optimizing hospitality businesses with digital tools, especially when it comes to the back of house areas. We talk about data and how it can be used to make better business decisions. And Nick shares that becoming better at organizing and managing your data is a huge opportunity for many operators. He has seen operators that's doing this well, who are now stronger and more agile. We also talk about the need for organization not just to implement digital tools, but also have a look at how the leadership team are organizing work and how they are building culture that can leverage digitalization. If you are a hungry learner when it comes to digital transformation and hospitality, I would recommend you to download a free report of digital transformation of hospitality created by VitaMojo, Cam Meteor, and us here at Hospitality Mavericks. We have interviewed more than 100 leaders across the industry to understand where they are, how they're adapting to change, and how the future looks when it comes to digital transformation. You can download the report via the link in the show notes or at betamojo.com under the resource tab. The conversation today will make you reflect on where you are on your journey when it comes to digital transformation. So grab pen and paper. Today is the the third time I sit down and have, uh, I would say, a conversation with Nick about digital transformation and hospitality. And we and we started back in 2019, pre-pandemic, and then we had a touch point in uh, more than a bit more than a year ago in uh, November uh, 2020, where we talked about digital transformation and where we were after this like shock to the system we had in, in the beginning of 2020. And I'm sure there will be a lot that has changed since our conversation just a year ago uh, to today in February 2021. And there's some going themes that comes across in our conversations every time we are talked. And one of them is that, you know, it was never a matter if, if digital transformation would really impact hospitality. It was rather when. And also, uh, if you are not embracing digital transformation and becoming a digital company, you will not survive. You will die. And uh, 
we have left the new normal that was really centered around last conversation and uh, it will never be like the same as before nick talked about and the most progressive company nothan embraced that and are really changing not turning on digital things but the way they do things how they operate how to think business so it, a conversation last time ended off and actually where I want to start it again, uh, where Nick said that there's decade when nothing happens and months where decades happens. So Nick, with that said, it's great to connect again and actually talking about digital transformation and actually diving into some of the learnings you've done the last 12 months. Oh, learnings the last 12 months. Um, so February, 2022, uh, February, 2021 today. Look, I think um, we just see an acceleration of, of things. So, you know, to the quote, to the Lenin quote that, uh, that I quoted back then in 2019, McKinsey came up with a study um, last year showing how digitization was accelerated by seven years by COVID. It varied by geography and sector, but the average was seven years. So the last two years, so seven years, well, actually the first year of COVID saw seven years worth of digitization worth of trend. So uh, the, 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 <laughs> the quote <laughs> proved to be um, uh, lucky and appropriate. So, yeah, not quite decades, but seven years is, is the actual number. Almost a decade. Would you say that uh, seven years also is equivalent to hospitality or is hospitality even more? I think it's way more for hospitality, if, 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 if we're honest, right? So it's a passionate, amazing industry, but it's not an industry that was open to technology um, or or thinking like a tech company. Really, they thought with knives and pen and paper rather than data insights and iteration. So. And what have you seen that the, the best of the best have been doing then the last plus 12 months? What has really been been happening because there was this massive acceleration you talked about uh, with the the COVID and then you said they've been accelerating. So what have they been doing since they got switched on a lot of digitalization, you know, online uh, delivery or whatever it was they switching on? Yeah. So I think there's three stages to, to this, what we've seen and different operators are in different parts of those stages, right? They, the first part is trying some things digital, right? The forward thinking operators were doing that in 2018, 19, and we were lucky to call them our customers back then, whether it was um, Leon, whether it was Yosushi, um, so on and so forth. The second stage is to go, wow, digital is good, but I really need to get you know, really fill in the gaps and get more digital, right? So one is like try something out and then expand the digital offering throughout. The third stage is realizing that piecing together these different technology solutions that you have. In theory, it sounds like a good idea. In practice, it's pretty bad. It's akin to assembling your own car with car parts made by different car manufacturers um, and they're just not meant to work well together it just doesn't work so right so stage three is realizing ah it's great i got kiosks 
from one supplier and then I got delivery from another supplier and I got someone to give me loyalty and my POS from someone else and I got the kitchen management system from someone else. In theory, it's a great idea, but in practice, it just doesn't work, right? It just doesn't work well and it breaks all the time and it's very frustrating, right? So uh, I think stage three is realizing that is actually by having something that works beautifully together, it's way more valuable than just having it. And it's an obvious thing, but it's you, you first, I think operators, the people at different stages. We're trying something digital, we're trying everything digital, and then we're trying everything digital that works well together, right? And that is a high bar, uh, very high bar. Um, and, and so that's, I'd say, part one, right? And, and I'd say most operators to today are somewhere in stage one, two, or three, right? This is part one. Part two, now that you are digital, you really go, wow, I got all this data. How do I use data to change the decisions I make? How do I use data to change the organization that I have? How do I change the culture of the company to rely on data and be curious about data as opposed to running it on gut, right? And, and this stage two of digitization, which is the already digital, now we do now, is what the, it's, when we were last speaking, I was seeing the beginning of that. But boy, was I wrong. Only one or two people really in that area, right? And, and uh, it's taken a year and a bit for the market to even, you know, move closer towards stage two. But if we look forward, and we'll come to this, it's really entering stage two, which is data and insights and being a data-driven business. I know it's crazy. A restaurant being a data-driven business, but that's what a modern, successful data-driven business is. So... What did I see in the last year? I saw people moving to the first three stages of part one, getting digital, realizing a comprehensive one, one integrated solution that works beautifully together is superior. And two, I saw some people really sprinting ahead in terms of engaging with data, tweaking their menu based on big data about customers when they're coming, tweaking their operations tweaking their business model and tweaking where they open new locations based on that data. And it's very interesting you say the the, the, the gut thing. I think we talked about that in our first interior as we're preparing. We talked a lot about making decisions on gut uh, compared to data and actually where it was a many decisions in general in hospitality always has been very emotional driven or my gut say my experience says this instead of looking at the data and actually say well the customers and the employees are saying that and actually our systems are breaking down every time we do this um have you seen operators starting really to put the foundations in place to actually be able to use the data because they have a lot when they switch on all that technology they did through the, the first part of the pandemic. It was tons of data streaming, streaming into your business and into your decision-making suddenly. We've seen, and um, I think Hugo from Leon was on this podcast and who really started engaging with that data very nicely. Um, but I'd say we're just scratching the surface. And the, one of the main reasons is there's just a lot of unknown unknowns. People don't know that data exists or if they do know it exists they don't know how to use it so it's simply we haven't seen it before right and that's something we as a company we need to do a better job we did a better job 
sharing the lessons we've had of how we use data when we were a restaurant to really transform new product development, where we open locations, operation setup, uh, op uh, operation excellence, so how people operate, right? So that is something that I inherited from my career before being data first, but it's not something that we see culturally being what the average operator has, even the ones that have gone digital. They just went digital and be like, okay, it's digital. And then, yeah, but, you know, now that it's digital, let's get together. Let's leverage those insights. And it's, they're not to blame in any way, but it's that a lot of people have gone, they remember part two, we've gone digital with different providers all around. So they have a fragmented tech stack. They got fragmented tech stack, they got fragmented data. Fragmented data is useless. So it's also a challenge, I think, only the operators that are gone full stack really end up seeing the real powerfulness of that data, where you can track if a customer came in, order to the POS versus order on the kiosk versus order on delivery versus order on their own on your app, where you can really understand a 360 view of the customer and then tie that back with how the kitchen was being run that day, where they're hitting their milestones, where they're not. And you can start really having this great view and understanding of, okay, like, how was the customer really, what experience did a customer have and what did that mean for their satisfaction with our brand? And what did that turn into? Did they come more often, less often, right? So when you have this 3D full view of what's happening in your kitchen, correlating what's happening with the customers, then the magic happens, right? And, and it's hard when you have a fragmented tech stack. So I think data, huge opportunity, difficult with a fragmented tech stack. And the operators that we've seen engage with it are the ones that are growing very fast. There's some of the information confidential I can't reveal, but there's operators out there that in coming out of the pandemic are growing very fast, right? We're talking, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50 locations a year opening. And this is, these are big numbers, right? So, um, and why? Because they got the confidence. What worked, what didn't, they killed what didn't work. They got revalidation of it, and then they can scale uh, really beautifully. Yeah, because again, it's built on real live data. It's measured with the customers and the employees out there on, on the journey. And Joel, that was on, been part of the show, well, talked also about how the India Surrey Group really are trying to, as you say, find out how that tech stack, how going we make the right tech stack for the Asuri group so we actually can go out and measure correctly. So we can pull in the right data to send out again to the front line so they can make better decisions. Um, what about, what is your, because people have switched on a lot of things and what is now the typical challenges you see? Because you see so many different businesses and you maybe can't mention the business, but what are the typical barriers to success and implementation of technology in, in today's world? I still think not all parts. So imagine a restaurant chain, a restaurant, right? You have, and imagine it as if they are interlocking wheels of different departments and different stakeholders, right? And what you see is that different wheels in this interrelated kind of engine or ecosystem move at different speeds. Hey, we got digital is the thing. I need this. This is good. 
the operations people, no, this is how we did things before. This is this is not good enough. So instead of having everyone, we don't see everyone moving at the same pace throughout the whole organization. We see some people that are leading and some people that are accelerating, some people put in the brakes on it. So there's still maybe that romantic view of the world. No, we don't need that. We used to do it like that. And those people are being actively unhelpful or passively unhelpful, right? They're not, because they're not trying to keep up with the rest of the organization, they're, they're naturally become a break, right? And they're not being mean. They're just, this is how we used to do it. I mean, over 10 years like this, was, this is scary, right? So the biggest challenge we've seen in implementation is that the, the CDO, the manager director, marketing, even sometimes the operation people see it, but not everyone in that organization follows. So therefore, instead of having alignment and commitment about executing something, you end up having like taking a road, and, you know, taking the time and speaking with each other and, you know, putting pause on things and picking it back up. So um, that's, that's what I'd say is the biggest challenge to implement digital today is lack of stakeholder alignment. Mm-hmm. And does that come back to you touch on culture as well in stage two, where you really need to work with business culture of the company, because suddenly it's a very different way of operating and making decisions and see the world that some at some point you maybe you're operating bricks and mortar, but now the whole focus is on dark kitchen. It's two different worlds suddenly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how do I explain this? If if you come from a tech company and decide to open a restaurant, you'd be very successful because the principles of tech company, which is be open, be curious, experiment, measure, learn, adapt, are natural, right? If you come uh, if you come from rest industry and try to be a digital business, you try, you're still kind of operating from that historical way restaurants were run, right? Which is the fundamentals matter. These are the fundamentals. The world's got to be more complex, but let's just focus on the fundamentals, right? The fundamentals pay off, but the fundamentals don't leap you forward, right? It's a competitive market. If you're not open and curious, if you're not iterating, if you're not engaging with data to tell you what to do, if you're not look, if you're not asking questions of the data about what part of my menu really keeps my customers happy, what part of my menu keeps bringing customers back? And if you think the answer is the most popular item, you're completely wrong. The most popular item or two or three are just what people find easiest to relate to, not necessarily what brings them back the most, right? There's some correlation between those two, but it's not. You'll be surprised to see items that are third, fourth, fifth um, popular are actually not great experiences for customers. And the data can tell you that, but people don't operate like that. They look at sales as something that happened in the past and how do we grow it? Right? So it's a, it's a huge cultural mindset shift. And we're seeing operators that are very switched on to this. And boy, they're growing. And boy, they're like really like doing so well. And we see operators that even have the tools but are not don't have the cultural 
on the mindset shift and they're not making the most out of the tools. Um, so th there's a, I know we said something quite dramatic, like uh, in, in 2019, that if you don't adopt tech, you're going to die, right? And, you know, <laughs> it, it's a strong statement, but, you know, I think the thing past has shown, you know, like that has been the case. And, you know, government support, I think, has kept a lot of businesses just holding on a thread in the last since COVID. Now, otherwise, we would not. But I think that is every week that passes, that mantra is even more true, right? Because the ones that are adopting it are leapfrogging. The people that are not engaging with it are falling behind. And today, they're still kind of holding on. But I think let's talk in one year and see what the market looks like. Because it's quite interesting. Another thing you mentioned just that they will die. And we talked, we've been talking about it in every conversation about your prediction about how how is the level of digitalization in the industry? And last time you said, I'm just looking at my notes here, I will guess that we are at a level around 25 to 33% have digitized now are, are in hospitality. Has that moved? Has it become higher? Uh, have you uh, got that confirmed? Or do you think we're just standing still? Yeah, I think I was wrong. Um... I think I was optimistic of how much the sector digitized at that point in time. Um, I think in the fully digitized, yeah. So I think, um, yeah, I, I think maybe even those numbers today are on the optimistic side. So, or maybe just about right. But um, I think my my numbers was colored by the customers that we had and and what we thought was happening in the industry, but. I think if you look at the three stages, people that have tried some some technology, some digital technology, that's probably over sixty percent of the market. People that have tried to fill in the gaps, that are twenty five to thirty percent. So they have multiple technology providers. People that have gone for that well built car that works well together, we're looking at like two three percent of the market. And people that have engaged with data, it's probably a fraction of that one two percent. So. I think uh, 25 to 30 overall was, was kind of maybe a, a generalization that wasn't necessarily precise. And I think we're at the beginning, in the really beginning of, of digitization and leveraging those tools. So another thing I was thinking about, and you mentioned it before, like the natural mindset when you launch a tech company and you've seen a lot of new brands popping up the last 12 months as well. And they, come in with a very different approach and technology is, you know, tech first. It happens from day one. Is there anyone you have observed that would be, you know, if you're an operator and thinking, who should I go and look at? And what are they doing? Is there something I can go, you know, just get inspired from? Is there any like brands you've seen that really have come in and grown really fast in the market? N newcomers in principle. Yes. Um, and I think, I think they really benefit from being young. And I mean this in the kindest of ways, right? So I think seasoned operators that have been operating for 10, 15, 20, 30 years have more of a romantic point of view. I think if you look at businesses ran by people who are under 30 or they came to the sector less than five years ago, I think they have a very, very different approach to how they're operating and scaling their their business. So 
Um, we can follow up with it with a few names for you, for, for listeners, but um, yeah, I don't I don't want to I don't want to overly put too much pressure on, on a certain operator at this point in time as 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 raising the bar. But you know, if you look at generally, we've been fortunate that they found us and we found them. But if you look at our customers that work with, generally they're very thoughtful, very forward looking, and uh, and generally very different ilk and mentality than the other one. So, and, and we're already seeing they're the fastest to grow and expand. So, you know, Wing Wing is one of them. Um, and then there's a number of them that we think very differently about the world and therefore act differently. If you take that into mind as well, it'd be very interesting to see uh, now you have recalibrated your, your optimism about well, what is like the big trends then that's going to happen the next 12, 18 months when it comes to digitalization and hospitality, what are you seeing? You know, we talked about the data bit. We're just scratching the service there. Is there other things that's really going to explode and really going to benefit operators to be on top of? I think, I think this question marks around dark kitchens, virtual brands and drive-through that people will try to answer for their own brands. Right. So I think that's the, Okay, does it make sense to run a virtual brand out of my kitchen, right? So use my kitchen, really, really increase its capacity by having, I'm selling healthy food, but on the weekends, I'm quite quiet. Can I do burgers for delivery? Like, I think those, or can I open a dark kitchen, my brand in different areas of geography? So I think those are a question mark, I say, because it is definitely something that will work for some and definitely something that won't work for some. And I think the question mark is there depending on the operator, the product, and the, and, and the geography the operator. So I think people are going to be, are spending quite a lot of money and resources trying to answer those questions because you get it right. Wow, what a great thing. If you don't, um, you know, it's a wasted investment. And the other one is drive-through. So I think with people working more from home, with people being based outside deep city centers, you know, the role of drive-throughs and the role of motorway stations, I think, is evolving. And I think people are trying to answer the question around, is my concept good for drive-through? What are my unit economics? What's the speed? Can I get people fast enough to the lane? Does that make sense, et cetera? Um, and, and with that, of course, will come digital tools, right? So, hey, I want to run a multi-brand out of my kitchen. You know, we help you with that. We can run like 20 brands out of a kitchen. Actually, you can open a, a dark kitchen running five different brands, one kitchen. It would give you the tech stack to do that, right? So I think first the need is there and then the tech is, is, is uncovered, right? Oh, we want to do this. Then what should we, what tech do we need to do that, right? Um, I think the the other big trend I touched on this earlier is just about consolidating and really moving to that full stack solution, right? So realizing that car metric car parts was uh, shoddy, expensive, breaks, um, and I think you see consolidation around uh, supply, right? So really around I need a supplier and a partner that will get me have the flexibility in their product suite to allow me to maneuver the dark kitchen, the drive, all the bits that are basically uh, are trying to experiment. So I'd say 
business line is dark kitchens and drive-through and tech wise is supporting those and as well as consolidating thing and data i think it's a three to five year journey i think before uh, it is our objective to help people speed that up but i think the market as a whole will take three to five years to change its mindset overall right because these small operators that are starting now that have two, three, five locations, they will be 50, 100 locations, and they will become the norm and people will follow. So it will take a while for the word to get out and for that culture to shift. They leave, they leave this success restaurant chain, they go work somewhere else, they take that culture with them, that becomes infectious, right? So it's kind of like a very low R rate spreading virus, this data. It's not going to be an overnight uh, COVID success. Um, I was thinking, I was just sitting and preparing for this as well. There's like some huge challenges beside, we talk about digital transformation, but we have a staffing crisis going on in the industry. It's like enough hands to do the job. And then also uh, cost of operating, you know, utilities, um, supply chain costs, and there's so many pressures. What is technology's role as you see it here? Because I, I see a massive opportunity for technology here because now you, you maybe are a bit forced to do something. You maybe took a bit longer because before you threw labor on the problem, for example. Yeah, I mean, this plays into the hands of digitization like, like nothing else, right? So when, when times are good and everyone's making a lot of profit and things are easy, then it's okay to stand still. It's just going to work, right? But when you have increasing stronger and stronger headwinds, to be successful, you got to keep innovating and pushing your business model forward every six, three to six months. Otherwise, you're just not going to make it. So minimum wage, so labor costs, staffing shortages. Hey, in April, minimum wage is going up again to £9.50. That, so already already that is a significant increase in minimum wage and for the right reasons those people deserve a, a livable wage is the right thing but unfortunately it's the wrong thing for the industry because they are relying on that cheap labor to run the business and to that i'd say restaurants are a phenomenal place but two things happen in restaurants transactional things and experiential things right we're using labor to solve both experiential things, giving that best experience, that feel, that smile, that growth, and to deliver transactional things, right? And what that means is that we're using labor in the wrong places, right? So my view is, in this we build a tech stack to do this, automate those transactional things. Your customers get no value out of it. You're spending a lot of money on that labor and you can simply streamline those right instead of having someone sit behind the till key in the orders if someone can take payment and give a smile uh, a half kind of half genuine smile to that customer thanking them let the customer order from their remote control i mean the remote control in their pocket i mean their phone let the customer order from a kiosk, giving that beautiful transparency, images, stories, right? And be there front of house 
and make them smile, high five them, you know, get them to tell them the story while they're waiting. Like use the humans of what we're great at, which is deliver creative experiential things and leave technology to the transactional bits, uh, right? So allow people to order from their mobile when they sit down at a restaurant. But that doesn't mean you have no people from the house. It means that the waiters become hosts, right? They welcome people, they set them down, they tell them about the menu, tell them a story, but let the customer order what they want and reorder what they want with a click rather than trying to get the attention high. Can I, can I, two beers, please? Like, why? Like, just let them order the stuff from their phone. Don't force them. But I bet you everyone in 2022 will rather click a button than look for a waiter, interrupt their conversation to order it. So transactional and experiential thing. Automate, use technology for the transactional stuff, reduce your labor costs, and focus your energy on the experiential thing. That's quite interesting because last time we talked, uh, well, just coming back to me, you talked about brew house and kitchen, how they were surprised how easily customers was just that. And I know it was a safety matter at that point, order a table was a safety matter on the phone. Have you seen um, this continuing for people that's been successful with it, like the order a table, continuing doing this and actually elevating the experience uh, as we now come out of the Omicron wave and so on and so on, but have they actually sticked with it? And I said, that's our model now. That's what we do. Yes, they stuck to it. It's working really well, but we need to acknowledge some of the challenges. The staff started seeing this technology as an impediment for them getting more hours or potentially not having a job. And we've seen staff toy and switch it off or try to break it or tell actively tell customers, hey, don't order from that. It'll be quicker from me. So, which is sad because these people need hours and time, but they're spending it delivering transactions as opposed to experiences, right? As a brand, um, as a brand, this is an experience I've had as a customer, right? And not talking so much about our customers. As a brand, you want to delight your customers. You want to give them that service. It is worth having those people deliver that experience. It is not worth getting those people to write something on a piece of paper, sprint down to a point of sale, key in that data, sprint back to the kitchen. Like so, But that's the transition we run, right? So we've seen it work really well after COVID. Customers love it. Anyone under 40 loves it. Old people want to go back to how it was, fair dues. But we've seen staff trying to basically fight against it or make it uh, make it work, which in a way I understand. Uh, and that way I see it as a failure both on our side and the operator side to explain how this is augmenting what they're doing and helping them, the business, thrive. It, it grows sales by 15%. It allows you to be more productive, to give a better service. That brings customers more often as opposed to switch that off, let me give them a terrible experience, let me keep them waiting, but at least I keep my hours, right? It's a short-term flawed kind of strategy to um, for the business to succeed. So that's the, that's the ugly part of it. 
So it's a bit, it was a bit forward and then a bit backwards and now finding the way for every individual brand and how they, 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 they implement this into their operation, you're saying in a way. Um, is there any areas of hospitality business you've seen that has been digitized more than others, like where they have done it really well and where there's other areas lacking, you can say the front of house, back of house, you know, the people experience, the customer experience. Is there any trends you're seeing right now where, where it's done really well and where the disconnect, you talked about everything has to play together beautifully in the beginning of this conversation? Yeah, the kitchen is the least appreciated part, right? So the whole focus has been on let's get orders straight to consumer. Let's get our own delivery channel. Let's get click and connect order ahead. Let's get kiosks. Let's get mobile ordering. Let's get loyalty. And it, this is fair. Those were the low-hanging fruits. Right, where we're seeing the least amount of uh, support, uh, or um, is basically in the kitchen, and you now have imagine you have a digital business. You can serve e-com. You're serving like three marketplaces for delivery. Your own delivery. You have pickup order. You have all these things happening, and the order side. But when it comes to production, you're still relying on old school methods. So I think that will be a big part of adoption. Uh, we're seeing it right now and in the coming year or two or three is really, and by the way, and you know this, McDonald's was already ahead of this like 10 years ago, right? Their kitchens were digitized, screens for every section, what to cook, when to cook. But for anyone that is a McDonald's, Burger King or KFC, they haven't seen that yet. And that's what we're seeing the most kind of interest coming up. And I think we, it's going to be quite a, and also the least amount of options on the market. Like, what do you piece in there? Okay, you can go to the people that use McDonald's. They're very expensive piece of hardware that doesn't actually do anything specific, different, right? So it feels like, whoa, that's a big, that's a big expensive thing I could do. Right? And we end up giving them something very cost-effective and very quick to do. So I think that's probably very underappreciated and under-thought about. Right? We thought about kiosks, but we didn't think about how do we manage that capacity in the kitchen? How do we split those orders in different areas and stations and aggregate them back up? All those things are just kind of beginning to be understood and appreciated. Uh, it's very interesting saying that, Nick, but thing, it brings me back to the conversation we had here in the series with Phil Lebron, ex-international uh, CIO for McDonald's, talking about that in McDonald's, the whole digital transformation project was around actually how can we deliver capacity quicker and faster. And actually, they started from the back of house and built the technology out that way because that's because they see Mac, the, the back of house as the production unit that's where all the transactional things happen. The front of house is the experience bit for, for the customers in a way. And to f to fuel that technology and people comes together. And he said, and they, they need to be in sync to make that happen, uh, to make better decisions. So this is really in line with what you said. Taking, you know, digitization has, you know, that's my view, what I've seen has suddenly become a strategic priority with the pandemic. Do you see that, that uh, digitalization and you know people that's responsible for digitalization hospitality is now in the boardroom 
it's suddenly become a really important factor is uh, and how do you see that develop over the next couple of years definitely i think this is in everyone's mind i still think just coming out of the last you know de facto lockdown or restrictions were from home in the uk we're still seeing kind of the romantic view of the world emerging maybe we're going to go back do we need all this stuff so we're seeing that counter trend push from again from the more seasoned operators um and then we see the 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 push that way and then when they run the numbers but how are we going to recruit this many people where are we going to get this people we can't afford and then the, the push and then the pull is very strong for digitization so there's kind of this um dynamic i think it right this month of this month at the moment we're like we're not going to need that so we kind of did it for the pandemic they associate because they implement digitization through the pandemic the pandemic's over therefore do we need these tools right so there's that question mark right but when the numbers are being run the answer is clear but some operators don't make decisions with numbers they just go like no that's not needed and then we see them 3 months 6 months later come back and be like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. hold on a second uh that wasn't the right thing my customers are complaining because the lines too long they can't get their second reorder you know so on and so forth so it's normal nothing is a straight line in life everything has kind of things but we see digitization as the the main topic with some counter trend pushes uh, right now and who typical lies the responsibility with like who owns the agenda for that as you see it in hospitality well the people at the top do um and sometimes it's difficult they um because if one loud voice is against it one is for it but is not that loud and two are neutral as a leader what do you do right like uh and again it's an industry that doesn't run on data naturally so it isn't it is it'll be about voices it'll be about characters about who you know who's who's more passionate about should it or should it not be and that's the culture that is changing and that will take another 3 to 5 years to change to be data obsessed to be data forward to ask questions of the data not of your gut right what is our end customer thing what's the average spend what's the transaction time what's the to return customers like but those are natural questions for tech entrepreneurs and not natural questions for restaurateurs and that makes me think about as well like you touched on data and culture a couple of times so and mindset as well definitely a lot of mindset in the, in the last two conversation maybe not so much in this but it leads me to think about like the the way we typically have operated as an industry there was one truth and it was on top of the pyramid or on top of the christmas tree and it was sent down the organization but with data that all changes because suddenly you have information flowing through the organization and up so it's not like one truth there's actually multiple evidence points or ideas and experiments coming up and actually it's the front line it comes from how does that change the way we lead as well because again you said we need so many leaders or so many front line people no we can't get that because we have a staffing crisis so we need to think differently about how we do everything but i guess that's also about how we lead our organization really going to change with that like tech companies are led very differently from restaurant companies is my view 
Definitely. Yeah, and, and you can already see, like, there's a quote from um, um, a tech entrepreneur called Balaji, which, which says, the future is here, but it's not evenly distributed. Meaning there are already some operators and leaders that are doing that, but that's not the case everywhere, right? So we don't need to, when you ask me questions about the future, I'm not having a crystal ball. I'm just looking at what the, the operators that are succeeding today are doing and realize it's going to take a while until that future gets distributed, right? So I'm, I'm not... Um, Will the boardroom leadership change? Absolutely. And I've seen it. I've been fortunate to be part, invited to those board meetings or attend some of those meetings. I've seen how leaders that are tech entrepreneurs or data first think, and I've seen their successes. They're growing and they're growing a lot. And they're attracting capital because the who is the money coming from? Where is this growth coming from? Investors. Now, those investors are very smart people and they know what great looks like. And they can smell what great looks like. And when they see leadership engaging with data and presenting like that, they get a lot of money. Um, so the, the future is here. It's not even distributed, but it will distribute itself naturally through success and failure and funding and lack of funding in the coming months or years. Very interesting uh, observations there. So... If we take these organizations, uh, in principle, some of them have you said has been you know around for decades and been operating and had certain skill sets within the organization. Are there like new skills and knowledge that really needed to be recruited in to to make this transition? Like, or do we have the skills in the sector we need to do a digital transformation? I think we have the skills. We just need to be open to it and generally recruit younger people. I th I think. Well, we were fortunate. So when Stefan and I started Vida Mojo, which was a restaurant first, building on tech, we, we were really fortunate that we knew nothing about restaurants. All the preconceived ideas of what is or isn't, what can work in our work, we didn't have. We didn't have that barrier, right? We just came in really green. So, and that allowed us to envision a future that was very different. Like in 2015, when we opened up, we were a cashless restaurant. Back then, cashless transactions were less than 30%. Uh, sorry, card transactions were less than 30% of food retail in the UK. How much are they now? 98%, even as the pandemic, right? So, right, so like we took some, we saw some trends and took some big bold bets because we weren't afraid of, oh no, we can't do that, right? Sure. Did we leave some money on the table in the first three months? I don't think so. We were in the city of London. If people didn't have a, a debit card or credit card in 2015, you know, I think there was like very few people, right? So, but my point is, I think the tip is there hire young people or hire people with seasoned experience from different sectors that are digital, hire people from e-commerce, from retail from transportation, from Uber, bring people from other industries that are digital to work for your business because it's, they'll change it. It's so infectious. Um, or hire young people that have not seen uh, the old way of doing things. Great, great. Um, the last question for you today, Nick, um, 
in this time we're in now, crawling out of the last wave we had with with Omicron, nobody knows what's ahead of us. But what would be your like one advice to um, to leaders as on this digital journey out there? Top advice, I would call it. I think be open, um, be open, and, and I think consolidate. Like lo- look for that whole product solution that really works for you um, as opposed to, oh, I've done some things, I need it for COVID, it's fine, let me worry about other things, right? I think if you stop, you're not even, so I think of everyone that uses digital technology right now, sort of 100 people that are using digital, I think we're at 1% or 2% of extracting the right value from it. Right, right. That, that's how, including our customers, that's how little engagement, um, let's say, there's high engagement, but not necessarily, and high adoption, but not necessarily leveraging its full potential. People can go 50, 100x in terms of value-driven. So be open because focus on the whole product solution that works for you and ask questions of that, of that data. Um, because uh, if, if it's just something we did and we pause and we worry about other things, I think, you know, 12 months, 24 months from now, operators that do that are overtaking, right? They're growing fast. They have the better menu selection. They're closer to the customer. They loyalize better. But that's a great advice because what you're saying is that even if the pandemic is over, keep experimenting, but also go back and look at what you have. Is Are you actually utilizing the potential of that technology fully on all the touch points you have from the the employee to the customer journey in principle. Exactly. Great, Nick. Thank you so much for for giving your dent on digital transformation again. And again, yeah, we're setting a new stage and the bar has moved a bit since we talked last time. Honestly, Michael, it's the scariest thing talking to you because you A, remember everything I've said, B, you listen back into it where we speak and you call it out which is fair, but I'm, so far I've been lucky, <laughs> but I'm always like, this, how is this going to age? How is this going to age in a year or two? I guess, I guess we'll find out. We'll find out. We'll, we'll come back and, uh, and hold Nick, uh, I wouldn't call it accountable, holding him to the truth. Real pleasure is always grateful to chat with you, Michael, and all the best. Thank you so much, Nick, for your great overview and insight on where the hospitality industry is when it comes to digital transformation. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please share it with anyone you think would benefit. The Digital Titan series brought to you by the wonderful people at VitaMojo, the technology company powering the best food and drink businesses in the UK, trusted by leading brands including Nando's, Brewhouse and Kitchen, Leon and Yo Sushi. VitaMojo helps operators transform their operations through technology. Check them out at vitamojo.com or contact them directly at sales at vitamojo.com. You can download the free digital transformation of hospitality report via the link in the show notes or through the VitaMojo website under the resource tab. Thank you for listening.